and welcome to another exciting episode of Brand Storytelling where we speak to the best in the business from editorial, content marketing and native advertising right around the world. And today we'll be learning how to create content for the all-important millennial audience. So that means we'll dissect exactly what they're consuming in 2016 and how they're consuming it as well as plenty of insights along the way. Now, we know whatever industry you work in, it's now quite likely that millennials hold a lot of power in terms of your customer base, your relevance, and your digital visibility. In fact, millennials have about $10 trillion, $10 trillion worth of buying power per year globally. They're, of course, highly educated, and they're the most active group, as we all know, on social media. They make up about one-third of the population in the developed world, and about one-third of the workforce as well. So if you're a marketer or a digital publisher, chances are you need to know how to get to this audience and joining me to discuss this fascinating topic is the founder and CEO at Junkie Media, one of the most prominent digital publishers in Australia, particularly in this huge demographic. I've got Neil Acklin on the line. Neil, welcome to Brand Storytelling. How are you? Thanks. I'm great. It's really good to be here. It's great to have you on board. I know this is a really exciting topic for so many branded content uh, publishers out there who are trying to reach out to the millennials, this growing audience and very powerful one indeed. Now, before we dive into things too deeply, I want to actually get to know you a little better because it's so exciting to have you on the show. I want to know what your earliest memories yourself of storytelling and branded content are. I'm told that you're a bit of an E.T. fan. It was actually the first movie I was taken along to myself, so it struck a chord with me, and I hear it did with you too. Sure. So, um, yeah, E.T. was a very powerful memory for me as a child. It was one of the first movies I think I went to see at the cinema, and the thing you know that's been most enjoyable about that is that now I've got two children myself and I've been able to play that movie back to them and and just seeing how strongly it resonated with them uh was you know brought back all these memories flooding back and there's just some some really interesting things about that movie now that I look at it through a slightly different lens uh, having you know worked around content and understood the the way the, the the content world works and of course these days we see product placement scattered right throughout the media and no no less than in uh, in the film industry but in those days it wasn't as prevalent but we saw the Reese's Pieces I recall in uh, E.T. yeah that's uh, that was something that really stood out when I'm watching the movie again now is how clever they were integrating um, products into the film uh, the Reese's Pieces integration was like you know, a key part of the story when you watch the movie back and um, there was some really interesting uh, data after that so uh, I think what happened there was that Spielberg had gone I think he went to M&M's first and M&M's declined the opportunity which in in hindsight would have been a a bit of a bad call from them but um, he probably should have gone to Mars yeah so the the legend goes um, he he decided to put Reese's pieces in and then after the movie they went and secured a deal um, to use the ET uh, license to to help promote Reese's Pieces, and they saw a, uh, reportedly it was a sixty five percent jump in sales after ET came out. So it really does show you the power of uh, of product placement and brand integration into really high 
premium content. It's amazing how product placement can can have an impact and stay with you for for a very long time. Exactly, that legacy of storytelling remains. And much like myself, and not too far a sidestep from the movie ET, you're also a comic book collector. And of course, looking back, there was so much native content throughout the comic book industry as well. Yeah, um, some of the the things that I that I was trying to think back to the times when I remember being uh, affected by a product that I'd seen, and that was you know some of my earliest examples was was when I uh, read I used to read the Beano and the Dandy I grew up in the UK and and the day the delivery days of those were some of my favorite days of the week and I'd be waiting there for the postman to come and I'd be grabbing my my copy of the comic book and and uh, and you know flicking through it as quickly as possible and really really enjoying it and there was one situation where um, I distinctly remember uh, Dennis the Menace was my favorite character there was a story of him where he got a new bike for his Christmas present, and there was this bike called a Rally Vector, and I, and I can still picture it now. And this this new bike had uh, had like sirens on it and a radio, and it had mag wheels, and it was like a, a bike from the future. And I just remember seeing it in the cartoon and thinking, oh, that's the that's the the thing that I would love the most. And I and I lobbied my parents pretty hard for about two or three months in the lead up to Christmas, and. You know, did all my chores and everything I could to make sure that I got that bike, and and lo and behold, on Christmas Day it turned up. So, uh, a great a great example of of now we talk a lot about native content and and how brand storytelling can be really powerful. And that was just a, another example of how the power it had over over me from a young age, and perhaps why. I ended up going into the career I, I, I found myself in. Well, let's talk about that. When did you come to Australia and, and how did you get into what you're doing now? So I arrived in Australia in 1998. Uh, I was backpacking around the world and um, I didn't really have uh, any experience in media until I got here. I had worked in uh, started my early career around sales and marketing and, and I've, I got into media because uh, I was really, really... Uh, passionate uh, about music and music was a, was a big part of my life around that time and I was also really really fascinated and curious about digital media um, and so <laughs> we started a hobby uh, uh, got involved in a website and some some uh, some friends had created this website called In The Mix back in 2000, 2001 yeah. and I, I kind of volunteered and got involved in working on that as a, as a kind of a hobby outside of my day job and just found that it was you know a really really exciting thing to be involved with and and, and very embryonic and organic and and uh, got sucked into that and eventually uh, decided to leave my job and and pursue that full-time so had no formal experience in in media and, and digital but um, learned the best way the best way possible which is uh you know, diving all in head first and just immersing yourself in it. Yeah, and of course, uh, there was the birth of Sound Alliance, which, as we now know, and we'll get into in just a moment, is now Junkie Media, and um, and you guys have created so much great content. And going back to your interest in music and the culture from, uh, I guess, a younger audience and that huge demographic, we'll be diving into the ways that we can reach um, millennials later in the show. But first, let's talk about one of the um, platforms that I really love that you guys 
guys have created in recent years. It's the AWOL uh, platform, the content uh, that uh, is essentially published by Qantas or for Qantas and um, is really targeted uh, perfectly at this audience. Could you tell me a little bit about, in your own words, the context of this content? What's its true purpose in terms of reaching out to the millennial audience? I think the, the, the first thing to, to frame AWOL is to really understand why Qantas uh, are doing it and they uh, we we had a conversation with them a few years back where they were they were trying to figure out what to do with the younger audience so they they knew they had uh, a disconnect there and they were seen as primarily a, a business airline and you know your parents airline and they knew they knew that they needed to do something about that because they wanted to build a future pipeline of customers and they they wanted to um, build lifetime value out of a younger audience, so um, they were. It, it wasn't their uh, their traditional target audience, so they knew they had to treat it quite differently. So they came to us and said, "You know, you guys are the experts in this space." What we came up with was, was really interesting. It kind of came out of the um, the magazine that you get on the plane. We were we were yeah. flying actually on a Qantas plane coming back from Melbourne from meetings, and we were we were discussing it. My business partner and I and dissecting the brief they'd given us and at the same time we were flicking through the magazine that was in the back of the sea and it was at the time it was called the Australian way and you know maybe they need to create something like this but for the for the millennials audience and we're saying you know it needs to be like the Australian way online and we said oh AWOL and the idea really was that we knew that the millennial audience were were spending their time on their mobile phone they were finding content through social so we decided to flip that traditional custom publishing model and build a title for Qantas for millennials um, that was all about inspiring uh, young Australians to travel the world and want to travel the world to travel the world with Qantas. So it's, it's been a lot of fun and it's now starting to deliver some really exciting results for them. Yeah, there's some fantastic co- uh, content on this particular site. And one in particular that stood out is their video from the Burning Man Festival. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about that and what that was really, um, I guess, doing for the, the publication and how it, um, I guess, attracted engagement from the millennial audience? Yeah, I mean, if, if coming back to the objective, which is really AWOL's primary objective is to inspire young people to travel the world. And so we... we in the second year of AWOL, we've expanded the strategy to encompass video. And the first piece of video that we wanted to create for AWOL, we wanted it to be the essence of that objective. So it needed to be really FOMO-inducing. And so we wanted to find uh, an event that hadn't been covered much before and and uh, was had a bit of mystique to it. And Burning Man is a, a festival that happens in the Nevada desert and it's been going for many years. And uh, we knew that it was top of the list when we're looking at a lot of our research data around this audience. It was a very aspirational event and lots of people aspire to go, but very few actually do. So we sent our crew over there to to Burning Man to capture this piece of really uh, immersive content. And um, we, we knew that if we created the content, turned it around quickly and got it live straight after within like 24 hours of the event finishing, that we had a really high chance of it of it um, getting really strong uptake from the audience. What we ended up ended up with was a four minute piece of video uh, to launch our, our video content for Qantas, and it was unbranded. It was you know, had the AWOL branding on there, but no Qantas branding. And we launched it primarily on Facebook because we know that's where uh, where the fish are. If you like, we like to fish where the fish are, and um, all of our channels shared it simultaneously. And it had 
about four million views in the first week. And I think it's done about five and a half million, wow. million views now across across Facebook and YouTube. So phenomenal success. Some fantastic tips there, especially playing on people's FOMO. So that's a massive thing these days for millennials. And in case you don't know what FOMO is, listeners, that is, of course, fear of missing out. Now, before we get into the more serious stuff, it is the halfway point of the show. So let's take a moment to get to know the man behind Junkie Media and do a little quick quiz that I like to call the Mad Minute with Neil Ackland. So, Neil, you have 10 questions and 60 seconds on the clock. And if you're ready, the time starts now with question one. Millennials are what? Open-minded. Question two. Your favourite thing to do or place to go out in Sydney is? Take my kids to the zoo. Nice one. It's a beautiful zoo there at Taronga. Question three. If you had a spirit animal, what would it be? Uh, I do have a spirit animal. It's an old smelly bulldog. <laughs> a British bulldog? No, she's an Australian bulldog called Freddie. <laughs> an Australian bulldog. Nice. Question four. When you were at school, what did you excel in? I was very good at uh, sport and athletics and I was also uh, very good at um, speaking, public speaking. Nice. And question five, a proud moment or proud memory for you is? A proud career moment was was when uh, Junkie won the Media Brand of the Year at the Mumbrella Awards a couple of years ago. Question six, someone you admire? Matt Weiner, who's the writer of Mad Men, which is my favourite TV show of all time. Seven, do you have any superstitions or quirky routines? Uh... Not really. No, I'm not particularly superstitious. Not superstitious. Question eight. The magic dust of quality content creation is? You have to think about the audience first and who you're catering to. If you suffered from FOMO, what would you be missing out on? I suffer from FOMO for the little things. You know, having lots of young kids, it's hard to go to the movies and, and yeah. you know, all those small <laughs> things. I have I have FOMO in, in small amounts. I hear you. I still haven't seen uh, the new Star Wars flick. It's gonna, I'm going to miss the boat there. Question 10, your sentiment on the state of US politics. Wow. How long have I got? <laughs> I think wow pretty much sums it up. <laughs> all right, stop the clock. That is the end of the quick quiz. So let's move on to the serious stuff now. Okay, so Neil, you've pioneered one of Australia's leading media companies, Junkie Media, a result of the rebrand by Sound Alliance, which in 2015, last year, you announced its intent to focus on delivering lifestyle content for an audience of 18 to 35-year-olds. So not much more than a year later, we now see Junkie is well and truly delivering on that and is one of the leading media publishers for millennials in Australia. Junkie Media now owns and operates Junkie, of course, Faster Louder in the mix and now, as we discussed, awall.com.au. So you've really made your mark on that audience of Australian millennials. Neil, can you tell us a little bit about Junkie's transformation from Sound Alliance? What made you, I guess, make that decision to form Junkie Media as it is today? So there, there were there were some big forks in the road, if you like, that we'd we'd seen with the business, and and it felt like it was time for a change. The main things that changed was the audience uh, and how they were consuming content. It fundamentally changed, and our mobile usage was sitting around sort of sixty five, seventy percent of of all of our traffic was coming through mobile. So that felt like a fundamental difference. Uh, the other thing that was really different was our business model for the first decade that we've been in business was primarily selling display banner advertising around our content and uh, what had fundamentally changed with the launch of Junkie was that Junkie had a native uh, content model to support it so we were moving away from display and I think for the first time last year we 
tipped over and more than 50% of our revenue was coming from native content. So that felt like a real tipping point for us. And, uh, and lastly, the business had, had started with music, which was the sound of Sound Alliance, if you like. And, 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 but more recently, we diversified beyond music and we were in pop culture and travel. And, and the future of the business was going to be still to have music at the core, but have uh, yeah. catered to much broader interests that, that young people were into. So the sound, yeah. the sound lines no longer really reflected what we were about. And Junkie had been you know, a phenomenal success for us, winning awards and um, explosive growth. And we just felt like the Junkie attitude um, was the right attitude for the, for the entire business. Junkie's all about being yeah. smart, ballsy, funny and interesting. It's about the things that matter and the things that don't. And, and we wanted to take that entire ethos and apply it across our broader business. I think that there's some great um, takeouts from that research that you did at the time um, with the youth audience. Um, that was obviously very influential in your choice of that direction. Could you give our listeners some takeouts in specific um, instances of exactly what um, feedback you got from millennials around the types of content that they're consuming, where they're consuming it, um, and, and things that I guess our other listeners, brands out there could also put into place to reach this, the same audience and, and Im- implement the same strategies that you have with Junkie? Yeah, so the research, uh, we've invested very heavily in research we've got uh, seven years of, of data now on millennials it's the biggest study ever conducted in into Australian youth and we use that research for two things first to, to guide our own media products and secondly to help guide the brands that we work with and things the type of things we look at is kind of the mood and the attitudes beliefs behaviors fears of young people and then we also spend a lot of time looking at how they're consuming content and and their changes in behavior uh, a lot of stuff around social media and there's been some really big things that have, have come through in the last three years and we touched on it earlier on but the two the two big fears that are affecting young people are the fear of missing out <clears throat> FOMO and also the fear of not knowing which we call FONK and what FONK is doing is driving this constant obsession with your mobile device that's the first thing you do when you get up in the morning, last thing you do when you go to bed at night, when you're at the dinner table, when you're on the bus, when you're in a meeting, constantly refreshing the feed on your phone, hoping you're going to get this piece of information that's going to change your world in some way, probably not. And that's kind of resulted in in what we kind of call infobesity. So there's this constant stream of information that's that's coming through people on the mo- to people on the mobile uh, device and so one one of the things we talk about a lot is that essentially if you're in the communications media marketing journalism advertising industries we're all we're we're living in in a scrolling economy now so the mobile device is the number one screen particularly for millennials but uh, but also for for other demographics and really um, our job is to is to stop thumbs we're all thumb stoppers. And the content we're creating, the advertising we're creating, the stories we're telling has to be good enough to get through that infobesity and get people to stop their thumb. Yeah. And with social media, there's just so many channels to choose from. And as we know, these audiences are bombarded with so much information. How can brands and publishers win the loyalty of these millennials? We have a, a, a saying that we use a lot internally, and you have to stop interrupting what people are interested in and actually be what people are interested in. And I think that that shift for brands is really important. Is the content when you when you look at readers and you know the the audience, they they put content through a lens, which is is it good 
or is it shit? And at the end of the day, I think if brands can see content through that lens, then it just it just helps. I mean, really, there's so much stuff out there. You really need to focus on creating really good quality content. And if you're doing that, and if that content is adding value to the person that's consuming the content, then then you've at least got a fighting chance. And I think that whole move away from interruption to, to being the content itself and being in the feed, being in stream, I think is really, really quite critical. So what um, what I think brands need to do a lot more now is focus on that. So how is this content adding value to, to whoever's consuming it? Is it good quality content or are we just adding to the noise? Is that the biggest turnoff, do you think, for millennials, being interrupted or, um, I guess, going against the grain of what they're naturally looking at? Yeah, we've just got some research back, which was quite astonishing for us around the use of ad blockers and what we're seeing. The claim, they're claiming to use, uh, 55% of the audience are claiming that they're using ad blockers already which is a lot, a lot higher than what we're seeing on the server side. It's, uh, it's a more around sort of 25%, but it's going to be somewhere between 25 and 55% of this audience are, are blocking display advertising and blocking pre-rolls. And I think that, that, that sends a signal. You know, it's, it's pretty clear that they don't want to be uh, interrupted. And on the flip side, they're quite happy to engage with content, as I said, if it's good. And so I think that's if you want to get your messages through, to this audience, you need to think uh, more in that way and, and display advertising as a method of, of engaging with this audience in particular is hard. And I think that's such a great point as we start to wind down the show that in terms of getting in front of these guys, it's all about creating quality content. And that's got to be in new and interesting ways. We can't just continue to pound something that I guess is not for the millennial audience and it's a a product of the past. And finally, as we really start to close the show, Neil, I want to know what drives you. Where do you look for your inspiration these days? I look for my inspiration... Um, around, I mean, I'm really driven by creating ideas and uh, I'm an entrepreneur and I just love uh, coming up with ideas and then being able to bring them to life. Uh, So this business has has evolved and changed so much over the years I've been in, in, in here and that's one of the things that's kept me constantly engaged is that being able to move quickly, make a decision around producing either a piece of content or a new channel and then seeing the immediate response to that is something that I'm addicted to. And in terms of inspiration, I get a lot of my inspiration from my team in here. We've got an incredible group of people here who have so much creativity and so much drive and, and it's really, really powerful source of energy for me to be tapped into them all the time and, and, and draw my inspiration from them. Um, but I also uh, touched on at the start, I get a lot of my inspiration from my kids uh, I find that children's playfulness and their their openness is is really it's great creative and uh, territory. It's very fertile territory to to explore new ideas. And I, I often you know grab little things or see ideas or see how they're doing things and, and use that in my work. And and it's actually been quite quite useful for me. And the last thing I do is I travel a lot. I always try to. Uh, at least once a year go overseas for inspiration and I'm going to be going to the Cannes Lion event this year for the first time and 
I've been to South by Southwest several times and different events around the world to try and get my inspiration. And that is a fantastic way to end the show because we do live in such a global community these days. It's so exciting to know that we can source inspiration from all corners of the world. Neil Ackland, CEO of Junkie Media, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. No doubt all our listeners will be following your efforts and all of Junkie's uh, publications in the months ahead in 2016 as we continue to explore what's possible with this amazing and very powerful millennial audience thanks so much for joining us again thanks for having me appreciate it